It's time for the Noble Capital Radio Hour with the team at Noble Capital Wealth Management, serving you throughout the Austin area and beyond. Featuring the Vice President of Noble Capital Wealth Management, Jess Hamill, and Financial Advisor, Jonathan Berkland. Here's your host, Walter Storholt. You're tuned in to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Walter Storholt here alongside Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berkland, the great team at Noble Capital Wealth Management, serving you throughout the Austin area. And on today's show, we want to talk a little bit about Social Security misunderstandings. But before we do, we have to acknowledge the elephant in the room. Poor Jess Hamill, not feeling as well today. The voice <laughs> oh. is a little under the weather. And uh, you have a, a, a Ricola? A Ricola? Uh, Ricola. Yeah, how do, you, how do you say it? It's funny. We were, <laughs> we were just discussing that in a previous meeting. I don't really understand or know how to pronounce it. Um, I just remember the you know from the commercials where they scream it out there. So is it, is it, is it, is it, is it yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. Is it is it Ricola or is it Ricola? Ricola or, yeah. I think it's Ricola. I'm not is it? Really why sure. would they say it differently on the commercial? Well, because they're singing on the commercial. Oh, okay. I don't know. It needs an accent mark. I just think it's Spanish. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, a, exactly. help me out. You know? A tilde. <laughs> maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe it's Ricola. I don't know. I, I, um, I would vote Ricola. Ricola. That sounds, that sounds best, I think. I was going to say Ricola. But you then, would say you know, Ricola. Well, yeah. It gets you through I, the day, though, at least. I also, right? I also say Italian, and everybody makes fun of me about that. <laughs> oh, that yeah. oh my gosh. That's embarrassing. <laughs> or that's like the, the fiduciary, right? The fiduciary, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, uh, I, I just had neck surgery um, a pretty extensive one where they go through the front so they had to cut all my vocal cords the esophagus everything they had to cut that loose and move it out of the way to get to what That's they were lovely. doing so that already was an issue um two two weeks at home recovering with nobody to talk to so i didn't realize i didn't have a voice hey i came and visited you did, Don't you did, you did. But <laughs> overall and, and he did a great job he took good care of me but no, overall but generally for speaking part, yeah nobody for the most yeah, part yeah. for a couple of weeks i'm not just having a conversation so i don't realize i don't have a voice i don't think he's really supposed to talk a whole lot anyways yeah i come back to work the first day and i'm trying to hold an appointment and, and 10 minutes into it i have no voice yeah so it's bad then on top of it just from being beat up and down from the, the surgery i think my immune system's down a little bit so i'm starting to get sick so get a little cold um, yeah. uh, i've been talking all day long meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting and uh, now I'm, I'm running out of voice. So it is what it is. I uh, yeah. once had something similar happen when I hosted the morning news on a, a local radio station, and I had gotten uh, really sick over the weekend. It turned out it was mono that I'd gotten. Oof. And, Oof. Uh, but I'd gotten so sick, my throat was really closed up. I hadn't slept all night long, Saturday night going into Sunday. But I toughed it out, and I went in. But, you know, the, the news shift started at 6 a.m. So, like, you know, I, I didn't even really wake up, but I just got up and drove mm. into the, uh, you know, the studio, got the stories ready, hit the on-air button to start talking at the top of the show, and nothing came out. <laughs> just silence. <laughs> wow, man. It's like, I guess I, should talk, I guess I should talk to somebody before I try and turn on <laughs> yeah. the microphone and start talking. Least, yeah, so. run, run a test on it. And, you know, I'll, 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 uh, I'll bore you with one more little story about health here. Public service announcement. If your contact lens moves to the back of your eye, go to the emergency room. Don't spend, really? don't spend three hours trying to dig it out first because you're going to the ER <laughs> oh. either way. So midnight. Um, what do you mean the back of again? the eye? Like I, It just, it it moved, just rolls around. It, it just moved all the way back as yeah. far as, you know, I, I went that's, to go take my contacts out before I went to bed and, and there was no contact. And I'm going, man, that's, that's really weird. And so I can feel something. And I look in the mirror, I lift my, my eyelid back, and I can see the edge of the contact. And it just smoothed back as far as it could. Oh. So I get a you know a magnified makeup mirror out and a flashlight and a Q-tip and start, oh start digging. And I'm pushing it further man. and further back. So three hours of this, and I'm just miserable. And so I finally went to the ER, and they're like, yeah, we see this all the time. I was like, you just need to come here. In the just first come. Yeah, uh. You're not going to get it out by doing that. So <laughs> I got no sleep that night. I got home from the ER at like 6.30 in the morning. 
Um, and that was, you know, that's been two days ago. And I'm, so I'm, I'm running on Man, a few. What else can go wrong with you? Here? Don't ask that. <laughs> <laughs> the universe will answer you. Know? Right. But it's, so, it's, it's things that it's in three, right? One, two, three. So there, there's kind of three things, right? We got, the, we got with the ears the ne- left, right? The, the <laughs> neck and then the sick and then the contact. Right. I think you're, I think you're good for the moment. Yeah, we'll see you unless we start, unless we start another three. That's so true. Just, that's true. We'll, we'll try to keep this one as is. Call it good. Don't, <laughs> don't fly while you're sick or else. That's uh, yeah, yeah. Stay on the ground. <laughs> You'll be in big trouble with the ears at that point. I, I had that happen this past summer with a blown eardrum from uh, from, oh, from, from flying and stuff. Yeah, it was bad. It was not fun. Oh. Not fun at all, especially in this industry. Like that's right. Not, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's a tool you need. It. It's not a very good thing to happen. But anyway, thanks for toughing through it, and uh, glad you're with us, Jess. And you actually sound okay now that we've you know started the show. It's it's the Ricola or whatever. It's the Ricola. In honor in honor of Jess, we'll call it Ricola. <laughs> Ricola, okay. exactly. Okay. We can just sing it real loud. There you go. Uh, we'll we'll spare the audience that. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. So social security misunderstandings, guys. Let's dive in here a little bit. I hear this one a lot from folks. There's just this assumption that Social Security is going broke. And then people kind of have different conclusions from that statement, but that's sort of the starting point, that there's this belief that Social Security is going broke. Is there truth to that? Is it a half-truth, or is it totally false? Oh, it's been broke for a long time. Um, (laughs) Right. But it's like everything else in government. I mean, it's broke. They just borrow and borrow and borrow. I mean, Social Security was intended to be, you know, put away, not touched, just left right there, invested, grow, et cetera, and so on. It wasn't supposed to be taxed. It was uh, the notion of it when it was implemented was not necessarily a bad thing. Then the federal government, like anything else, used it as a, its own personal line of credit and started tapping into it and uh, started running low. So then to try to recover from some of that, they decided it's going to be taxed at some point. You know, it's, it's not necessarily straight across the board tax, but if you are successful and you have other income coming in besides Social Security, all of a sudden part of your Social Security is taxed. So that was their first wave at trying to, uh, to fix it, and it just kept going further and further the other way. So right now, yes, it's broke. Right now, people that are on it should be okay. My generation, I'm the oldest guy around here, Mm-hmm. Is probably going to be okay. Jonathan's generation is probably going to have a problem. Yeah, I probably have a problem that we have to do something about, like uh, maybe maybe pay more right into it yeah. to, to I mean, fix it. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, the the government's fixed everything is tax, right? Yeah. So yeah, expect some yeah. portion of your paycheck to get taken away to pay you back for your own social security. It's right, a, it's right. a hell of a conundrum. But but for our clients, I mean, the, the reality is it's it, it's going to be there. Um, there there's too many Americans, uh, too many voting Americans, <laughs> who are who are either somewhat or heavily dependent upon social security so one way or another there's no doubt that that populace is gonna gonna get their social security at some point along the way you know before it gets to me i expect some changes whether it's an increase in taxes or a reduction of benefits but um i think for those who are in retirement or considering retirement uh, you know we generally take what's on those social security statements uh, as being valid yeah and my prediction would be for your generation between now and then, there's going to be just a revamp. They're just going to decide, let's, let's mm-hmm. just do something besides Social Security. Start completely yeah. over. But one thing you can do, though, when you're talking about Social Security is, is just don't don't count on the cost of living adjustments. Yeah, you know, don't, don't factor those in. We don't know what they're going to be or when they're going to come. You know, so And they're, they're different every time. So don't expect uh, it to be inflation adjusted for you. Just consider it a, a flat form of, of, of income coming in and plan everything else around that, um, you know, other forms of income and, and inflation adjust from there. 
there. That'll that'll keep you in a nice conservative spot. And that and that's a good point. I get this from clients all the time. We we put together an income plan, and I'll show their Social Security flat across the, their whole yeah. life. And the first thing they want to know is, well, why didn't why didn't you adjust for inflation mm-hmm. on there? Like, can, do you remember the last time it was adjusted? Do you remember yeah, how much it was? How much and most of them can't. Yeah. So we just base it flat. Anything else that comes in, you know, we just call it a little bit of a windfall. It's not going to be that much. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, a little know, bit so. of found uh, gas money yeah, essentially. Exactly. Or they'll, or they'll tax it right back out. That's true too. <laughs> We're talking like uh, you know one percent cost of living adjustments. Yeah, I think the most recent things. one. Yeah, yeah, I think the most recent was one point eight percent. Yeah, you know, exactly. so it's, it's under two percent. Nothing game changing. Yeah, yeah. It's important to kind of realize that that's not going to be any sort of windfall. Uh, for anybody in retirement. And, and I know that you guys certainly don't base somebody's financial plan around Social Security. It's an important element because, hey, it exists and we can add it to the plan, but it doesn't need to be the foundation of somebody's plan like so many people tend to make it these days. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of the income streams that we count on. And, and you know, realistically, the planning that we do, the demographic, the, our typical client that we can serve the best with our model is not really, you know, they're basing their income on Social Security anyway. It's, it's, right, a, it's, right. it's a small portion of it. There, and there are plenty of people out there that are living at a level where, you know, when they retire between Social Security and whatever they've got in their 401k or traditional IRA, um, that's what they're living on and they're going to be just fine. But they're, they're living at a level that's not where most of our clients are coming in. Most of our clients are coming in and living, first of all, living larger than they were while they were working. But, you know, $10,000, $12,000 a month average income is probably on the low end of what our typical clients are. So, the, you know, a two or $3,000 a month Social Security um, income stream is not going to make or break what they're doing. Correct. We want to maximize it and absolutely uh, get back at least part of what we put in, right? But it, it's, not, uh, it's not the end-all, be-all when it comes to our plans. So. Right. Great information and helpful to kind of see how Social Security sometimes is incorporated into the plan, but also how you shouldn't necessarily run around with your head on fire if you think Social Security is going broke, or as Jess said, has been for a long time. <laughs> it's, <going broke. laughs> it's it's not the end of the world. Your financial plan, especially the folks that you guys are working with consistently, uh, shouldn't really have that big of a concern when it comes to their Social Security checks and uh, kind of the, the politics that surround that conversation you should have a plan in place that doesn't rely on it that heavily. So that's a good message to walk away with on today's right, and show. I, could, I would also add to that, you know, for, for whatever generation it is that, that Social Security ends up not being there or gets replaced with something, you're going to have a warning. It's not like you're just, you know, going to retire and all of a sudden the next day say, oh, no more Social Security. So yeah, yeah. Whatever they implement, we'll see it coming. Um, we'll have plenty of time, hopefully, to plan for it and adjust for it. I mean, the, the planning and adjusting may be painful. It may not be something we're looking forward to. But, you know, we'll, we'll know about it in advance. If you have questions about Social Security or things like Social Security when it comes to financial and retirement planning, a great way to get some answers is to come with some of your peers to an upcoming dinner and discussion seminar that the team at Noble Capital Wealth Management hosts here throughout the Austin area. You can find the list of those dinner events at ncwealth.com. That's ncwealth.com. would be a great opportunity to get some education about what's going on in the financial landscape, how it might impact you, and learn about some of the important retirement planning decisions you've got to make around the corner and in the near future. If you want to find out about RSVPing and coming to one of those free events in the near future, you can do that by going again to ncwealth.com. That's ncwealth.com. Or call 512-492-3800. You can call or text that number, by the way, and request your spot and uh, ask about upcoming events there. 512-492-3800, again, is that number. More to come on today's show. You're tuned in to the Noble Capital Talk 13.7, the right choice. 
It's getting to know you time. Well, it's time to get to know the fellows at Noble Capital Wealth Management a little bit better here on the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Jess Hamill, Jonathan Berkland with me. I'm Walter Storholt. This is where I ask them fun off-the-wall questions to get to know their personality a little bit more. And guys, here's an interesting question for you. What's something that you've done that you swear you'll never, ever do again? Oh, that's a hell of a list, man. <laughs> jeez, jeez. Never, ever do I again. Know I can say on the radio either. Radio friendly, uh, radio friendly. <laughs> radio. Uh, and do we have to have kept up with actually not doing it again? Because hmm. I've said that about a lot of things that I actually did again. Uh, no, I would take it whatever direction you want to take it in. Yeah, the main thing for me would be riding wheelies after I broke my back. Oh, popping wheelies or... It's not the cool riding. way to say it, riding wheelies. Yeah. The... Well, I mean, you know, I'm mean, at pop wheelies all the time. That's not a big deal. But, you know, riding wheelies, standing it up to where you're more of a unicycle. I mean, it's a lot of fun. It's very exhilarating, but that's uh, it almost cost me my life and cost me several surgeries. So I swore off. Uh, I got rid of all the, the metric bikes. Um, I've got all Harleys now, but I can still I can still wheelie a couple of them. But that's not what I do for entertainment on my motorcycles anymore because it almost killed me and, and mm. um, just it's uh, I'm I'm out of that. So, so, for the so most you part, have stuck with that. I'm ninety percent there. Yeah, for the okay. most part. Okay, all right. I had a little lapse of reason about eight years ago and bought a CBR one thousand, and my wife was like, uh, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "I'm just you know having some fun." She's like, "Why'd you get rid of the last bike?" I was like, "Cause I was riding wheelies." She said, "Well, what makes you think you're not going to ride wheelies on this one?" I'm like, "Cause I'm not going to." And she's like, "Yeah, hey, all right." So that lasted about four months. I took her son out riding one night and showed him a you know, pretty impressive wheelie a couple of blocks and he came straight home and first words out of his mouth, just just rode a wheelie for two blocks and that was it. It went on it went on Craigslist the next weekend and that's that was the end of it. <laughs> All right. What about you, Jonathan? You know, I'm struggling on this one. I don't I don't I don't have anything cool like that. I guess I'm I'm just not that cool. I'm when I, when, when you say we that can't what really comes one to, up those, right? <laughs> what, yeah, what comes to mind is moving. Like oh, I've yeah, I've moved yeah. I've moved what one two three four times in my life i believe and it is the worst everybody says that and everybody agrees it's worth it just to stay and pay more in in, in mortgage or, or rent or whatever than 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 to have to actually go through the experience of moving so every time i do that i say never again and uh it always seems to happen again i don't know what there is about it such as life right but uh if i could never do something again that would certainly be it yeah. Mine would be never ne- – I, I was going the moving direction, too. I was just going to say, oh, I don't yeah. mind the moving. It's just the uh, – I'll never pay for – I'll never do the, all the stuff by myself. Like Oh, like pack it all or something? Like. Or, or, or the big stuff. So on our last move, that's what we did. We just we hired somebody just for a couple of hours to do all the big stuff. Uh-huh. And, I mean, for a pretty minimal cost, they did sure. all the hard stuff. And then we would just tackle all the boxes and little stuff on our own. No big deal. But it must have. It would have saved. It saved us two or three days, and the back pain and the frustration, and yep. probably would have ended up damaging some of that big stuff. Anyways. Oh yeah, and the so, trips back and forth, and yeah, yeah, all that. Well worth the cost to get the movers to come out and do the big stuff. So they actually finished in advance of the time we'd rented them, and they were like, "All right, well, you've got us for another forty-five minutes. What else you want us to do?" So we were just like, <laughs> "All right, uh, grab this, take this." Uh, over yeah, here, move you know? that there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So yes, I'll uh, never move without hiring movers ever again. I'll, there I'll, you go. I'll jump in on your train on that. So one. we're on the same page. That's there. a good one, and I would stick with that. <laughs> we're both so lame compared to Jesse. <laughs> no motorcycles here. No one-upping on our part. But anyway, thanks for sharing, guys. That's fun. Getting to know Jonathan Berkland and Jess Hamill, the daredevil of the group, obviously, here on the Noble Capital Radio Hour. More coming up. Stay with us. 
almost time to open up the mailbag for another question from one of our listeners in the area. I've got a question here from Joe today, guys. And uh, Joe says, gentlemen, what an educational program. Well, thank you, Joe. We appreciate that. Uh, Joe says, I'm 63, still employed, and would like to retire around 67. I do have a pension and around 200000 in a 401k. I also have a $65,000 balance in a savings account that I want to use to build a new home. I am a widower and do not have any children. Should I work till I'm older if I anticipate building that home? I've met with a representative of another financial company, and it appears that I would have sufficient amount for retirement, but I'm not totally confident. What do you guys think? A lot to unpack in that one. A lot to unpack that's in that. Yeah. Congrats on the pension there, yeah, Joe. Right, right on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a pretty broad question with um, what sounds like some specific stuff, but really not specific enough to give a definitive answer on that. Yeah, so I think we could talk about it kind of broadly, though. I mean, right. as we're entering retirement, we do have clients who are thinking about, you know, purchasing a home or building a home or you know paying down their mortgage and they're trying to figure out what's what's best for me and it depends yeah so i mean the the broad answer for the broad question you know building a house do do you already have a house that you're going to sell that's going to go towards that right right um is 65,000 enough for the new house yeah, or like that? are we talking about a modest 3 2 you know somewhere outlying that's an hour from from austin or are we talking about a really extravagant house here but just looking at your question as a whole, my answer would be you're probably going to be working a little bit longer than you expected based on that. Yeah, I think it's important to really be confident in your retirement plans before building the house, right? So your 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 current advisor says you have enough for retirement, but you're not totally confident. So that, right that's there, the red that, flag, right? That yeah. gives me okay. pause, yeah. right? Yeah. If you're not confident and you haven't built the house yet, let's revisit the plan currently and and, and consider, you know, can I retire even when I want to as it currently stands? And if so, Maybe then from there we can talk about, you know, do we build the house? And then that's where we have to factor in, is there an existing house that we're going to be able to kind of, you know, 1031 some funds on, that sort of thing, and, and put right. us in a better position where we're not paying down a half-million-dollar mortgage come retirement or, or whatever the situation may be. But I would get your, your current, your existing situation figured out before you even consider the house. That that would be my, my, my thing that I would really implore you to do. Um, you need to have that confidence going into retirement of your current situation before you, you really extend yourself a little bit too far. And at that point in the game, it's hard to make up for it, right? Right. But I do. I, I like the. I like the things that you're asking and yep. that you're considering. So you're on the. You're on the right track. You're asking the right questions. Um, but that's just kind of like saying, "Hey, I just got. I got a raise. Can I afford a new car?" Yep. Um, but I'd love to sit down with you and take a look at um, some specific numbers and see what kind of house you're talking about and and go from there. So I would. I would offer you to come in. Make an appointment. Let's sit down, take a look at it, and get yep. more specific to yourself. Yep. Or come out to one of our, our, our dinner uh, events where you can learn a little bit about us and what we do, how we yep. operate, a few retirement mistakes, our take on on retirement planning as a whole, and um, maybe compare that to what you're currently doing and decide if, if we're a fit or not for you. Uh, but we'll certainly feed you and, and try to make friends with you, so you uh, and we can go from there. Come out and get a nice dinner, and then come talk to me, or just come talk to me. Yeah, yeah. whatever the preference is, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, here's the ways to do that, Joe. Uh, you may already have the number, 512-492-3800. Call or text if you want to set up a time to meet there, 512-492-3800. Or you can go online to ncwealth.com and find out about all the upcoming dinner events across the area. That's ncwealth.com. Uh, usually when somebody says, you know, I'm not totally confident in my financial plan or I'm not confident about retirement, I ask, you know, are you working with an advisor? And 
half the time the answer is no. I'm just kind of guessing or doing it on my own. It's kind of like, all right, well, there's the problem. Let's let's address that. Or right. it is, yes, I am. In, in kind of in Joe's case here, yeah, I have an advisor. And then it's like, okay, well, there's two issues here. Either you're not asking the right questions, or maybe your advisor isn't asking you the right questions. Correct. And, uh, and then and that kind of always gets the wheels turning in their head a little bit to go, yeah, you're, you're kind of right. It shouldn't be my job to really ask all the questions. I don't know what I need to know. Um, that's the job of the advisor is to ask the kinds of questions that people don't know that they already need to know. I'm sure you guys run into that all the time when you're meeting with folks in the office where you ask them something, and I never thought of that, you know, or, boy, I haven't considered that angle, or uh, I didn't even know that that would be a factor. Do you ever get kind of that surprise when you start bringing things up? Yeah, and, I mean, sometimes I'm just looking at somebody going, really? You never <laughs> you never thought to answer that question or ask that question? But it's uh, I like that somebody is saying I'm not confident, therefore I'm looking for some more answers because I, I see too many people that they're not confident but they hear what they want to hear. Yep. Therefore, they move forward based on that, and they find themselves in a pickle somewhere down the road. Absolutely, yeah. Props to Joe for not just taking the advisor's advice. It, it might be perfectly sound advice, right? But if you have that little spot that in the back of your brain saying, I don't feel great about it, then maybe seek out a second opinion, right? It, it's, it's, it has to be your confidence in retirement. And usually what we see if somebody doesn't have confidence is they, they don't have a plan. They don't have an income plan. It's just um, a loose assumption based on, you know, some, some market assumption combined with some, you know, p- p- pension income kind of thing. And we're going to cross our fingers and hope for the best and, and make sure we don't, we don't die too, too late. Right. It doesn't run out. It's a little bit morbid there, but you know, that's, that's the reality. <laughs> Sometimes the, uh, the truth hurts and, uh, that's a good example of it there. But, uh, I think you guys are right. Your point is made that Joe is doing the right things by recognizing there's some, uh, you know, deficiency in the plan that's leading to some, you know, shaky, shaky legs, uh, some, some lack of confidence. And that yep. should be kind of a trigger to get a second opinion. And uh, again, if you want to get that second opinion, Joe, or maybe you're in a different situation from Joe, but similarly, uh, need some confidence with your plan. Give a call, 512-492-3800. That's 512-492-3800 or online at ncwealth.com. You're listening to the Noble Capital Radio. You're listening to the Noble Capital Radio Hour with Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berkland. Let's get back to the show with your host, Walter Storholt. Time for another mailbag question here on the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Love answering your questions here on the show. If you'd like to submit one, you can call or even text your question into us at 512-492-3800 or go online to ncwealth.com. Howard has this question. Howard is from Dell Valley. And says, now that I'm retired, I need income from my investments. Should I invest primarily in dividend-paying stocks now? Not primarily. Yeah. Uh, not not that the concept of dividend-paying stocks is, is bad per se, but uh, you know the diversified portfolio is, is always what we're going to come back to. So um, in terms of, of building an income plan from the ground up, starting uh, somewhere a little bit safer is probably the way to go. So depending on how much secure income you're looking to have, whether it's 50% of your income needs, 75, 100%, you know, that's kind of going to form our foundation of the income plan. And from there, we can allocate to the market uh, accordingly, whether that's, you know, for income purposes or just for growing a portfolio. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I mean, there are basically, basically four asset classes that we, we deal with here, insurance products of various natures, um, real estate, mostly private lending, and then the, uh, the market. 
So when we're going from safest to least predictable, we usually go to you know whether it's dividend producing or, or not. Uh, it's usually the market products or the the last thing in that in that line there. Yeah, it's a good question, Howard. Thank you for submitting that one to us. Uh, short and sweet answer for you there this time around. If you've got questions like Howard, you can submit them online to ncwealth.com. Get in touch through the website ncwealth.com or give us a call or text 512-492-3800. That's 512-492-3800. If you ever miss a show, don't worry. You can always catch up later with the Noble Capital Radio Hour podcast. Find it on your favorite podcasting apps like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other platforms. Just look for the Noble Capital Radio Hour podcast or go online to ncwealth.com. You're tuned in to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Walter Storholt here with you alongside Jonathan Berkland and Jess Hamill, the fantastic team at Noble Capital Wealth Management, serving you throughout the Austin area. Check us out online at ncwealth.com. I want to talk to you guys about some common Social Security misunderstandings, and there are two that kind of go hand in hand here. So let's let's combine these. I know there's a group of folks, and I know a couple of these folks personally, or at least I've heard them talk about this personally. They started uh, Social Security as soon as they were eligible because they kind of were of this mindset that, I want to get it for as many years as I possibly can, so I'm going to start it as soon as I'm ready. So as soon as they were eligible at 62, 63, they turned it on. And then I know other folks who are waiting, and they're saying, no, I'm going to wait as long as I can to build up the benefit to be the maximum it can be, and that's the best way to go. you got to wait as long as you can, or else you're throwing money down the drain. you got these two extremes, right, and both think they're right. There's lots of discussions in today's world that seem to have that same kind of takeaway to them. So who's right? You guys are the experts here. So are you talking about between those two choices, start as early as possible or as late as possible? There can be an option C, which is neither one. Sure. Yeah, yeah well, I think that neither. Yeah. Definitely neither one. So, you know, most, most people that walk in my office come in the door with one thought in mind and that is you know when and there's all of these all these guys that talk about how they'll they'll tell you when to start it there's all these programs that are you know how to optimize your yes, social security specialized software yeah. Yeah. but the the goal in most of those scenarios is how do we make sure that when we start it we set it up so that when i die i have now received the most out of the system as possible you know everybody's got an emotional attachment to it i've been paying into this thing my whole life and by golly i want to make sure i get the most out of it um, and the, you know, the huge flaw in that plan is it's all speculation. And I tell everybody the same thing. Tell me the day you're going to die. Give me the calculator. And about 15 seconds later, I'll tell you exactly when to start <laughs> right. to, to maximize it. But since we don't know that, and, and that's purely speculation, I don't put the emphasis on that at all. I put it on when, when does it make the most sense for me to need the income? When, when do I want the income coming out? Yep. Yep. So, Back to the plan. Yeah. So, you know, the, Used to 65 was everybody's you know assigned retirement age. Now the older we get, the more the Social Security Administration moves it up. Once again, trying to get some money back out of it. For my age group, I think it's like 66 and eight months. Um, for Jonathan, God, it'll probably mm. only knows what that'll 85. be. 85. <laughs> yeah. um, but they they keep moving full retirement age up. But the way it works is 62 is considered early retirement. For me, 66 and eight months is full retirement, and 70 is late retirement. So from early retirement till full retirement the amount that you get that increases each year is somewhere around 6.6%. So every year that you wait to turn on your Social Security, you get about an extra 6.6% from that. From full retirement to late retirement is 8%. Yep. So what I'm looking at is 
I'm now retired. I have these, you know, several asset classes over here in investments, and I've got Social Security. Which one do I want to turn on now? Am I going to postpone Social Security by two years to get an extra 8% each of those years and burn up an investment that's getting me 10 or 12%? Does that make sense? I don't think so. So it's more about when... When in the overall scheme of things does it make the most sense to turn it on at that time? Not how much do I think I'm going to get out of it based on when I think I'm going to die. Because I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. I could live to be 100. You know, who knows, really? Exactly. Yeah, it's what works. What's for you? Take the income when you need it. And don't delay it and punish yourself just to try to get, quote unquote, the most out of it, right? Um, it's it's all about, again, back to the plan and, and having a, a income plan in place that, that kind of lays out where your income streams are going to come from. And that, that way we can dial in. When does it make the most sense to, to turn on Social Security? Does it make sense to start it early because you retired it? 50 or you're going to retire at 50 and that's going to be you know 12 years into retirement it might make sense then it also might not at all if you're going to be working uh you know well into your 60s i mean there's no need to take income that you don't need and and pay taxes on it along the way so uh take advantage of the gains and start it late so it's purely dependent upon your individual situation and what your own income needs are along with what other assets you have what other income producing options are on the table for us so and then we've also you know we've always got the client that comes in with a $15 $15 million portfolio. They're living conservatively on $80,000, $90,000 a year. So it's like, yeah, wait till 71. Yeah, you don't exactly. need it. It's, not, it's, it's a drop in the bucket. It's lunch money. So might as well wait. Might as well wait. Yep. And other people have started as soon as possible because that's that's the majority of your income, right? I mean, it's it's fully dependent upon your own situation. So that, that's something we love diving in and talking to people about. And really what we do all day long in here is, is put together income plans. And a huge component of that is figuring out Social Security and not necessarily how to get the most out of it, but when is when is it optimized for your income needs, right? Right. And we, and we fight so... <laughs> Yeah, we've got clients that come in. Well, my brother-in-law said that it should be this. Or we were out at dinner the other night with another couple, and they said that it should have been this way, and that's right. the way we want to do it. So we're we're already digging ourselves out of a hole, trying to explain to people what makes the most sense, trying to overcome bad advice that they've gotten from somebody that has no experience in it. Um, usually, what we recommend is is usually a surprise to people, but then I'll show them on paper and back it up. This is why it makes the most sense, and then you know everybody's on board and it, it makes sense. Right. So, we take the emotion out of it and just yeah. use logic and reason. Right. It's, so, it's pretty so straightforward. The, the short answer to your question, Walter, is there is no short answer. Um, <laughs> yeah. we, it, it's different for everybody, and it's when it makes the most sense. Yep. Not just uh, you know following some rule of thumb, right? But don't just sign up for that rule of thumb one way or the other because that's what somebody said. Uh, really, really assess it for your own individual situation, or work with an advisor who can help you do that. Um, really factor in all the all the different scenarios. Well, right. and speaking of where people get advice from when it comes to not just things like social security, but all sorts of financial elements. But it, since we're talking about social security, you mentioned oh my brother in law said this, or my uncle did it this way, so and so told me this is the way to go, or a coworker ended up doing this. Well, then a lot of people. Also, just say, well, the Social Security Administration, when I go to get the Social Security, will tell me the best way to claim my Social Security, right? Doesn't that make sense? They'll have the right strategy. Oh, yeah. And and what is ridiculous, so here in Austin, there are three Social Security offices. You can go to all three and get a different answer, and and you most likely will. So, you know, when people tell me that, I say, okay, which office did you go to? You know? Yeah. It's it's crazy. It's important to note that their Social Security office is not going to give you advice on, on, when you should take it or when it's optimal for you to take it because they're not supposed to do that. They're going to give you the 
answers to yes and no questions. Is this option available to me? What will amount be if I take it at this date? How does such and such option work? That's where you can get those specifics, particularly if you have you know a situation regarding uh, windfall elimination provision, those sorts of things where Social Security gets a little bit more complex. Um, but don't don't expect uh, guidance or advice from the Social Security office. You will be disappointed, and if you do get some, it's either it, it may be wrong, and it's certainly going to be different than you would, you would get from somebody else working at the same office. They're really there to again answer those yes or no kind of questions. So do work with with an advisor who's working on an income plan with you, who can really um, understand your situation, the other investments that you have, the other income streams to really optimize when to turn on Social Security for your particular situation. And I'm always really surprised when I hear somebody tell me that they got advice from the Social Security Administration on when to start it, because that's not what they're there for. That, that's right. They're right. not there to advise you on when to start it. They're there to literally answer a question. If, right. you, if you started on this day, here's what the computer says You know, it will be. And even then they get it wrong a lot. Exactly. Of Usually that means you were asking for advice and didn't realize that they're not really going to give you any advice. And so they answered a question and you took that as advice, which is almost more dangerous to run forth yeah, with and, right. and make decisions on. So <laughs> just know what you're going to get there. You know, it's 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 kind of like going to the DMV and asking them which car you should buy. Yeah, that's not going to happen. That's a great you know? analogy. That's about, that is about the extent of, of how close that is. Yeah. I, I was thinking about it is when I uh, go to the restaurant and I ask the server is, uh, you know, is the uh, is your calamari uh, pretty good here? You guys do good calamari. Like, what are they gonna say? Like, no, no our calamari is terrible. Yeah. You should stay away from it. Run the other way. In fact, we yes. have a D great rating on it. Yeah. What are you doing here? You know, Although, you yeah, know, sure, we have okay calamari. You know, why not? That's kind of a standing joke. That I, I I make fun of when I go out to my parents. My mom will always ask that. You know, well, how is the so and so, or is this good here? I'm like, mom, what do you think they're gonna do? Tell you know? Yeah. And I've actually had a couple of waiters tell me before. Hey, you don't, know, don't oh, get yeah, that. That's, yeah. that's, that's you probably better off getting something over those here. are the ones that get the better tip right they yeah. do <laughs> they, they your trust. tell me the truth yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's that's awesome and and they may be to- totally full of it knowing that knowing that's probably going to get them a better tip that's or a good maybe, point or maybe they just don't like, like calamari. psychology yeah. on that yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. oh yeah that's a good point it's, it's always cool it. when you get that when you get that from the waiter they flat out tell you you know that's that's really not our best thing you probably ought to go do something else that's, yeah. that's yeah. pretty cool in any event it underscores the importance of obviously making sure we understand the things that are happening in our financial and our retirement plan in today's case talking about social security, but also important to understand where you're getting the guidance from, where you're getting your information from, and how that's all coming together. And if you need help with that process, here's what a lot of people do to get some assistance. Uh, They come in, they meet the team at Noble Capital Wealth Management. They talk to Jonathan and they talk to Jess about what's going on in their financial lives, how things can be improved, how it can get better. How do you get started? Where's the starting point? Well, a lot of those happen at the dinner and discussion seminars. This is a free event that you can come to. Jonathan and Jess host these throughout the uh, Austin area, so it's convenient. It's easy to come by. You can have a free meal while you're there. Learn a little bit about what's happening uh, in the financial and the retirement landscape, some of the key questions that you need to have answered. And after you uh, you know, understand a little bit more about what's going on, you can then come into the office, have a one-on-one meeting about your particular situation. That's where you start getting that customized guidance, kind of like what we start to talk on the show, but obviously we don't know your situation, so we can't get fully into the specifics. So that's where you get to do that when you come into the office. But if you'd like to start it out by coming in to one of those dinner and discussion seminars, you can do so for free by registering online at ncwealth.com. Again, ncwealth.com to see a list of upcoming events in the area, or you can call or text to RSVP at 512-492-3800. That's 512-492-3800. 
Thanks for listening. You're tuned in to the Noble Capital Radio. Talk 1370, the right choice. This is the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Thanks for being with us. Walter Storholt here alongside Jonathan Berkland, Jess Hamill, the team at Noble Capital Wealth Management, serving you throughout the Austin area. Guys, let's talk about pensions. Uh, they're kind of a dying breed these days. I'm just curious from your personal experience meeting with people every day in the office, how many companies are you coming across now in the area that still provide pensions? Is it still common to these days? Um, so not, the short not answer common. is no. Yeah. no. Certainly not common. Um, it depends on how long the person has worked there, I guess. I mean, you've seen, yeah. you've got some people, you know, some 20 year, 30 year, some livers for some of the bigger mm-hmm. companies. That, IBM. That's, yeah, that haven't yeah. had it taken away. Um, you know, there's a lot of them that they were counting on a pension forever. And then right towards the end, the company just said, we're not yeah. doing pensions anymore. You're getting a lump sum. Right. Right. Um, but they're, they're still out there. They're just, they're not, they're not common. They're not common. And they're not necessarily, uh, it's not common that they're super sizable, right? You may have, we get, People coming in that they work someplace 20 years ago and they've got this, you know, $400 a month thing that they're not even really sure about, but it's kind of a pension. And we have to like dig and, and figure out exactly what it is to verify, you know, what the benefit amount is when it starts, so on and so forth. And, you know, nothing to say that, you know, $400, it's not like it's nothing, but it's it's not going to make or break the, the total income plan. So they're not necessarily as up to speed yeah, on it as if, if it was 4000 a month if kind if of thing. That's a reward for working somewhere for 20 or 30 years and yeah, it's it, nothing as far as honest. Yeah, and, and maybe not 20 or 30 years, but maybe they worked their 20 years ago for four or five years and then walked away and did something else kind of thing yeah. but i would say i don't know maybe one in five clients who walk in have it you're you're, I, you're I wouldn't maybe I, one I in say 10 not even that many but i'll tell you what's weird a, a trend that i have seen lately is people coming in and wanting to take the lump sum yep yeah and, and it's That's because true. they don't trust the company mm-hmm. to not either screw it up i mean we're talking big companies you know at&t yep. i mean stuff that you wouldn't you wouldn't be thinking, wow, I wonder if this company's going to go under or be around for a while. But, I mean, I've had people come in with sizable pensions, taking the lump sum and then, then handing it to me and then saying, okay, you turn it into a pension. That's right. That's what we had uh, one person in here the other day talking about her, her pension or potential you know, pension. And it was about a million-dollar lump sum that yeah. she's talking about just taking it and doing something else with it. So that, that's a sizable Why, why is that? I mean, why are they – is it just because, oh, it's just a big sum of money very attractive? Or is there are there other reasons for why they would do it? Well, in her situation, I think she was uh, being smart, just saying, okay, let's, I know what it'll be per month. I know what it'll be for a lump. Let's see what you can, if I take it for a lump, show me what you can do and see if you can beat it. Right. Um, but I have had other companies that are just, you know, the whole Enron thing. I mean, they're, yeah, it's they're, a trust they're, factor. They're, yeah. They're worried that it's something's, something's not going to go right. I think with Social Security, it's one thing to trust your friendly federal government, right? <laughs> to some extent, we all have to, and, and I hope we all have some, some, some sort of belief there, right? But um, when, it's, when it's your company that, you know, you're no longer an employee of, and you know, you've seen other pension plans kind of sink. Um, you get a little bit nervous and anxious about what's going to happen with my dollars. They're all tied up in one spot. Um, you know, if I take this into my own hands, can I do at least as well with it and have a little bit more control over it and ensure my success a little bit better? And I think that's just what people are interested in. It's that comfort factor. If your pension doesn't give you comfort, that's kind of the whole point of it, right? To have this income stream in retirement that makes it more comfortable for you. If, if you don't have that level of comfort, then um, if you don't believe in your income plan, then it's no, no fun in retirement, right? It's kind of like almost not having one. So. Well, something else that I find very interesting is, you know, some of these guys that come in, you know, they're at exec level. They've got, relatively speaking, large pensions. Right. Um, those guys are going to have, you know, maybe a little bit more knowledge of the inner workings of the company than <laughs> the lower true. line employees. And so when they come in, 
and they just want to take the lump sum and get out of it, that speaks volumes to me about the you know what's going on with this company that that these guys know about that they'd rather take a lump sum than just a guaranteed pension. Absolutely. Yep. But the way the companies are doing them these days, I'm not saying everybody, but we're seeing a greater trend. Uh, you know, Enron was one of the ones that started that. Um, in the old days, you know, where everybody got a pension from the, the, the janitor up to the CEO, they were annuities, bottom yep. line. You know, the company was buying an annuity, and that was your pension. And then there came a time where somebody had the bright idea, instead of spending the money on the annuity, let's, let's manage it ourselves. Let's mm-hmm. go out to the market. Um, let's take some money. We can spend less of our money to provide this employee with their income stream. And then they've mismanaged it. Um, you know, between trying to manage a market account, which we all know that can go wrong, to corruption yep. and a lot of these unions and stuff, specifically up north Chicago. Right. Um, and that's like that. on the state level, too. I mean, state pension yeah, plans exactly. are the same state way. State pension plans are yeah. failing, but it, it's, it's not as stable. The idea was let's save money by providing the same amount of money to the employee, but the means that they went about to try to do it opened it up to failure corruption, uh, mismanagement, and so people started seeing what they considered you know, the unheard of, which were pension funds collapsing and people not getting what they wanted. And right. that's, that put a, a pretty big scare in a lot of people, and rightfully mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I think to answer your question, Walter, I mean, if, you, if you're somebody who has a pension plan that is, it's not just an annuity that you're getting for the pension, it's actually just a, a fund that's being managed um, you know, based on some market securities, that sort of thing. That may give you a, a comfort level to, to go ahead and take that lump sum and just go out and buy an annuity with it, kind of the, the intended purpose to start with, right? And if you can do as well or better by doing that, um, I can certainly see how that's an attractive option. And I, I think we're seeing some people do that. Not everybody goes out and buys a, an equivalent valued annuity or necessarily, but it's certainly a, an option to kind of give yourself um, a pension replacement. I feel like a lot of people think pensions don't have risk to them, but it sounds like you're saying, no, there actually still does exist risk in in that type of vehicle. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, risk, so how do you define risk? Right. The, a guarantee is only as good as, as the person that wrote the guarantee, right? So back, you know, what I call the old days, wasn't much of a risk. You know, these big companies, everybody expected it. It was just the norm. So it was a guarantee from that company. But those guarantees are not giving people the warm, fuzzy feelings that they used to have. Yeah, and, the, and the other thing we see a lot of times is, you know, you get a pension, especially if it's, if it's not inflation adjusted, um, that's great. You get $5,000 a month for the rest of your life. Well, 15 years from now, that $5,000 doesn't mean as much as it did now. So people are getting a little bit smarter, taking the lump sum. Instead of just going and buying one annuity, they'll buy four annuities. Um, and now they can selectively turn them on yeah. to you know adjust for inflation on their own terms. Exactly. I don't need um, five today. I can start at three and yeah. then get up to seven at the end. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So it just gives you more flexibility. Um, you know, if I was in that specific situation, if my choice was five thousand dollars a month for life or a million two. Man, I'd take the million too, and, and, and you know, <laughs> yeah. I'd be in Belize with a margarita yeah. and just like, do it that way. There's a reason why pensions aren't you know universally offered anymore, right? If if it worked and it was beautiful and it worked for the employer and the employee just wonderfully, they would still be doing them, right? There, there's some sort of cost associated with it that um, is causing them to to be a thing of the past, and there's just another way around it. I guess but a lot of it comes back down to control too, right? And if people yeah. like having control of their dollars, so the lump sum becomes attractive in that light, in that respect. It yep. does, and I will say this: you know, people people lose trust in the company they're working for, so they'll take a lump sum, they'll go buy an annuity, and they're buying the annuity from an insurance company, right? Because they've got a greater trust level from the insurance company not going under. So, if you work for an insurance company and you're getting a pension from an insurance company, to me, that's the the ultimate security yeah, that's, and that's, safety. 
that, that's the the golden ticket. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so some of the you know like Northwestern Mutual, New York Life, the the big guys that are not going anywhere. They're super conservative. You know, I I have personal knowledge of people with pensions there, and I mean I've seen fifteen, sixteen thousand dollar a month pensions that are. You know, you've got no worries. If the insurance company starts going under, we got way bigger problems going on than that. So right. you got if you have if you're fortunate enough to be in that position, take it and go. I mean, that's about the best you can be. Yeah, yeah. So if you have a pension and you're out there thinking about it, what do I do? Lump sum, not lump sum. Um, it really, it comes down to personal preference, but also your, your situation, right? Your individual situation, what other assets and investments you have, and what other opportunities are on the table for you. So I, I would recommend you, you talk to somebody, maybe us. Um, you can come out and, and see us at one of our, our local dinners here in the Austin area. We do them quite frequently where you can come out, learn a few of the common mistakes surrounding retirement, kind of our general thoughts on on retirement and, and our approach to income planning in retirement and really see if, if we're fit for you and if you'd like to spend a little bit more time with us and dive into those specific details, maybe about your pension. That's certainly something we can do in a one-on-one setting uh, following that dinner seminar. Yeah, so, But I would say at the bare minimum, just being prudent, look at what your pension will be, look at what the lump sum will be, mm-hmm. and then come talk to us and ask us, what can you do with this lump sum and see which one's going to be you know a greater number uh, the least amount of risk and the most amount of flexibility for, for no other reason just for that. Yep. Helpful information. I know a lot of people, they know pensions and they know that that's how people used to retire and that that was kind of the only thing you needed to know about. But it's not really the same world anymore. Uh, it's, it, it ain't your grandfather's pension. Is that kind of the way to? <laughs> sure. Yeah. I use that all the time. Not your grandfather's something. Right, right. And this is a great example of that for sure. The, the pension world and the retirement ability is not the same as it used to be. So learn a little bit more about that. As Jonathan mentioned, there's dinner and discussion seminars that they host throughout the area are a great chance to come in, get some additional education, and hey, a free meal while you're at it. Uh, at those events, they're going to talk about some of the common retirement mistakes like Social Security, like pensions. Uh, we talked about annuities. There's the annuity trap. You know, what annuities are good, bad, what's the ugly of annuities, but what's the usefulness of them as well. You'll kind of get the skinny on that conversation as well. The dangers of procrastination when it comes to putting together the proper plan. All of that and much more is covered and included in those discussions. If you'd like to see a list of upcoming events and to sign up for one, you can do so for free on ncwealth.com. Again, the website is ncwealth.com, or you can give a call or text to the team at 512-492-3800. That's 512-492-3800 if you'd like to attend one of those upcoming events and get some more education about financial and retirement planning. And that's all the time that we have for on this week's show. For Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berkland, I'm Walter Storholt. Have a great rest of your weekend, and we'll see you next time back here on the Noble Capital Radio Hour. All opinions and information expressed by the speakers on this show are solely the opinions of those speakers and not those of Noble Capital or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. All opinions are based on information the speakers consider reliable. Opinions and information are provided as is for educational purposes only, cannot be guaranteed or warranted, may change without notice, and may not be corrected or updated. Opinions and information should not be construed as an inducement to invest and offer to buy or sell securities, nor as legal tax or investment advice, nor do they take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and are therefore not necessarily intended as recommendations suitable for you. You must make an independent 
investment decision regarding investments and strategies mentioned on this program. Neither the speakers, Noble Capital, or their affiliates guarantee any specific outcome or profit. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all investments involve inherent risk of total loss. Strategies and investments fluctuate in price and value, and investors may get back less than they invested. You should seek advice from independent financial investment and legal counsel before making any financial or investment decisions. Transmission of information through this program is not intended and does not create an advisor-client relationship between you and Noble Capital. Information provided on this program may reference other service providers, including websites operated and maintained by third parties. The provision of such information does not imply responsibility for or an endorsement of any third-party information, opinion, recommendation, or investment product. Reproduction, distribution, republication, and or retransmission of any portion of this program is prohibited without the prior written consent of Noble